Welcome back to another exciting episode of Extra Feature. Today I have a fabulous film everybody needs to see. Are We a Monsters? And the director is here. Seb Cox, thank you for coming. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, very uh, pleased to be here. So, I, I want to start at the beginning. I'm not going to ruin the end, but I do want to touch on the end at the beginning, because I think the film makes more sense if we discuss it that way, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does. Okay. Um, I got to the end, and I'm thinking here going, I wish there was a little more explanation in the beginning. Now, maybe I missed it, though, so maybe you can help me. Should I have paid more attention to the beginning to understand the end, or no? Possibly, by the sounds of things. <laughs> no, no, I'm at the very, very end, when things yeah. sort of go a little bit awry. Yeah, um, yeah, it's all alluded to throughout the film, where it's going. Um, it's this manifestation, you know, like a, a werewolf's worst nightmares, as it were. Um, so, yeah. No, okay, so, I mean, it's very metaphysical, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. Um, so, did you have that writing in mind that was always going to be metaphysical at the end? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's all like tied together. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, um, there is a lot of animation in the film. It's uh, it's one of the big themes. Uh, and there's a particular style that we chose for that um, because the lead character in Eye Monsters, uh, Maya, is a female werewolf and she is very kind of lost in who she is. And she tries to express her understanding of who she is and what she is through her drawings. And so her way of communicating that is through her illustration. And so throughout the film, we're taken through a set of stories of the history of her kind, her werewolf kind, and she tries to illustrate it throughout the film. And we are constantly referred to about this idea of, well, if there is a blood moon, we get a different kind of werewolf. We get a werewolf that is a manifestation of the beholder's worst fears. And in her case, her worst fears are her concept of what she believes herself to be, which is a monster. Wow, you're so much better than I am at explaining these things. Good thing you're a writer. I want to write, you write such nice dialogue. Like I find it's very crisp, it has very point. Um, you're not really a writer that has fat on their dialogue. Do you get that a lot? Yeah. So I actually co-wrote this with, uh, John Black, who is the, the guy who played Everett in the film as well. And he is very good at writing. We have a good, like, process back and forth kind of thing. I, I'm usually very good at creating a, a story that's very cohesive. All the themes are linked together with the, the general through line and the characters. And um, and then I'll then go over to John and then he'll sprinkle in loads of his very beautiful, quite um, florative or very interesting writing. Um, and then I'll come in and I'll go, right, and I'll just cut loads away. I'll just take it all away, strip it back. And I'm like, what is the most minimal that we can put in that still communicates the characters, gives people just barely enough information because I like people to try and work to understand what's going on um and uh yeah and then that's our process and it's kind of like baking a cake i make a nice sponge he has loads <laughs> of beautiful decorations on top and i just pick out some of the colors and take them off to make sure it's consistent cake so yeah. that, that's pretty cool um the animation where did that idea come from is that always a concept in your films yeah so something that i'm going to uh, have been 
uh, following through with on my work is animation. If you've seen any of my other short films and stuff, which you can see at sebcox.com and things like that, you'll see that I've always been animating <laughs> since I was very young. Uh, but I hadn't really tried illustrated, uh, non-traced animation. So this was going to be like my first step to go, right, can I start to do illustrated animation in my own films? Um, and, uh, and yeah, this is my first sort of go at that and, uh, and bringing it together with live action and integrating animated sequences into live action as well. It was all a massive challenge, but, um, it's sort of leading to where I'm going next with my second feature, which is literally half animated half live action, which we can talk about later at some point. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So the animation process, you love it that it sounds like. It sounds like something you look forward to when you write. So I'm wondering now that since you have a co-writer and yourself, how do you work your animation when you're writing? Do you have like a pause saying animation sequence or that all comes in after? Um, it depends on, on what the animation is. Like, as I said, because I, I think because I usually have such sort of strong concepts, I'm very descriptive with exactly what's going on, probably too much so for most typical scripts, but because I've worked with this writer for so long, he's very much used to it and, uh, and quite enjoys it. And so my co-writer would purely focus on dialogue and I would purely focus on everything else. So he doesn't have to worry so much about the animated sequence, but often we take his dialogue and then write the animation around it as well. So do you do the animation yourself? Yeah. Yep. That was all me. That was, uh, during COVID, uh, when we were all locked inside in the UK, we had, uh, uh, what was it? It was like four, three to four months, uh, where I was, I was locked inside, but we had longer locked inside, but over three to four months, it was like, I have nothing else to do. So let's get it done. And it was quite a process, but, uh, but yeah, we got there and, uh, <laughs> exhausting. Exhausting. I always say at the end, never again. It was so exhausting, never again. And then the next film, it's like, okay, yeah, 50% of the film is going to be animated now. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let's get into the forest. How is this forest? Is it, it doesn't seem that big. I'm sure you're cheating a lot with your drone shot. You do do a big thing over the forest, but I really think your shooting place is a lot smaller. Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting story behind the location. I mean, like, we, uh, so I, I have like a friend, uh, a, fam a set of family friends who we just go visit. They've got a very nice house. It's like, wow, this is lovely. And the, like the whole family kind of like, um, watches my films and they're always very keen to see what I'm up to next. And, uh, and I said, oh, well, we're thinking about filming a, a werewolf film, but we're, you know, we're looking for a forest, but it's, we're going to you know, try and film in some local woods and see what we can do there. And they said, whoa, 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 Seb, we have forests. And I just, I just couldn't, I was like, well, in the UK, like, I'm not sure if it's similar in America, but we, it's very common that we have no land whatsoever. Like we, we have all got tiny houses. Uh, we don't really have back gardens. We, if we do, we are very lucky, very fortunate. And this, these people just said, yeah, yeah, we have forests, plural. And, uh, and I was kind of speechless and, it was amazing. They like put us up in, uh, like one of the houses that were, that were on next to their like three forests. And then we, we essentially went to the different kind of layouts. Cause each forest had like a different vibe. One was very like, uh, sort of self man plant planted. So it's very kind of like 
strips of trees, which was fantastic for running sequences. You don't have to worry about actors tripping over things. Um, and then we had more kind of wild ones that looked a bit different. So we could kind of go to different ones for different parts. Um, and then we could then try and make it seem as though it was all stitched together into one forest. So how many days were you guys out at night? Like you guys look like, I mean, obviously you want different moons and I think the moon is animated, but I could be wrong, but I think it's because it's so well placed on every shot. So I'm like, he's animating these is my guess, mm. but you are shading it. Now I want to question how many night shoots and I have a follow up question to that. Um, yeah. So I believe that we shot nine days in total, but I believe that uh, five of of those uh, sort of devolved into night shoots, um, but yeah, the moon was a was a very interesting piece of this. So if you if you watch the film, I personally hate it when films at night in a forest are beautifully lit to the point where you can see everything. Like I don't, I mean, my degree is actually in physics, and I'm like that isn't really how light works like when you're out in a forest at night on your own it is pitch black it is actually terrifying you don't know anything that's beyond three meters because your phone light doesn't go that far and so i wanted to work and choreograph the light with the actors and so all the lighting that they did was uh was actually done from the actors actually choreographed torches that were going around and bouncing off of things that were behind cameras so we had people with sheets that were kind of like using that oh. as a bounce and as well as that, the moon was actually a physical moon. We somewhat, we had a big reflector that we hoisted up into the trees. And then we got a small light that was very powerful and shone it directly into the reflector. And then the light spill from that reflector simply looked like a moon, which was then in the frame the whole time. So it was a physical thing. But to make it look more like a moon in post-production, we then tracked a moon texture over the top of the reflector. Ah, I knew you were up to something. Now, when I watch your film, I want to come up with thing. So it looks like you're, so what I'm watching is no color corrections then, because it really looks like you're playing with color a lot. I noticed that the end is different. It's got a little bit more of a light brown. Earlier, it seems a little more natural in the middle. I'm not sure. So did you play with my color and play with my light? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, one of the, one of the biggest things uh, that we wanted to, to have throughout the film was, um, and like image sequences. I love image sequences. It's a technique. If those of you don't know, it's a technique where, um, you create an association with a particular visual and then you use that to then subliminally tell a story underneath. And so one of the main keys for that was color. So our, our main colors were obviously red and green. Was we wanted to have this balance between sort of nature and man and keep sort of jostling between those, that concept of what is the overlap. And so, yeah, we, we certainly played with the color. We wanted it to feel very otherworldly. Uh, and if you're just filming in, in a typical forest, you know, you can, you can still make it feel beyond this world. You can make it feel like you're watching a film, watching something fantastical by making the greens almost blue um, and really playing around with it, but only to the point where it's subtle and you can pick out individual colors and, and leave the skin tones as they are and things like that. Now, did you make your actors work for this a little bit? I mean, your dialogue is obviously helping a lot, but I find your actors seem very into the part and seem very crisp with their dialogue and even discussing moon things. They're very looking at it and stuff. So how much did you work with them to get to that point? I'll be honest with you. They, they are just amazing. Okay. They are just amazing. Like, um, yeah, you, you, 
I mean, we did spend, it was quite a, it was quite a fast turnaround from, uh, getting them in to then going, but I feel like because I've worked with, uh, I think I'd worked with, uh, all but two on, uh, on my projects before they kind of knew what to expect. And the, the script itself is very descriptive. Uh, but for example, uh, Stefan Chanyame, the guy who played, uh, Connor, um, he's, you know, you could just, you could just pick it up and just go, you know, it was just like, yep. One take wonder, lovely. Every single time it was just like, wow. Yeah. Like the campfire scenes between the two brothers, Everett and Connor. It's just like, that was just all them. It's just all them. Amazing stuff. Um, was there other film with just them hunting things? Cause I could be totally down for that. <laughs> we are very tempted to do a sequel, uh, that just explores more of the other kinds of, uh, typical, shall we say, still not quite typical, but typical werewolves on a typical, uh, typical uh, full moon. Um, cause we've designed actually, uh, the different kinds of, uh, werewolves. Um, is this going to be video on your thing? Because I do have a, an image of... I, I do not use the video, everybody. So uh, no, I'm not even going to edit this part, so I apologize. No, just audio. <laughs> that's a shame. That's a shame. Anyway, because our werewolves, you'll see it on the poster, they don't look like your typical werewolf. We, we definitely went uh, a slight sidestep, uh, quite a substantial sidestep with the, uh, the style of it, but it's almost quite a, like a long-necked kind of creature. Um, you can sort of see it on the video right there. there I can see it. Um, <laughs> I want to get into why werewolves, not vampires, not Frankenstein, not a demon summoned from the depths of hell. Cause you have um, the options here. I think with your script, you could put something different in here. And that comes back to the theme because we wanted to, uh, encapsulate the idea of identity and nothing is quite as forced into and jarring as werewolves, you know, you are forced to change once a month. You know, you, you get that, that taste of humanity and it's pulled from you every month. And it's often the case that you become a werewolf, not of choice as well. So it was something that, that allowed us to play with the metaphors, play with the theming very uh, consistently and use that metaphor um, accurately with what the messages we're trying to get across. When you're doing your, I do want to go back to the night shooting. Did you shoot during the summer? Because I don't see any breath, or did you have to take that all out? Yeah, we shot over the summer. Uh, yeah, it was like over one month. Um, but yeah, like when we, if we block all the days together, it would be uh, nine days. But yeah, in the summer, but still UK summer, so not the warmest. There was breath from now and again, but uh, yeah, we were we were pretty fortunate with the weather overall. So how did you find night shooting? Most people do not enjoy it. I mean, obviously, you've got a lot of color corrections to do. I mean, you have a lot of setup. So did you guys have to shoot? Okay, we're getting dark. We're shooting now. Or did you have to even wait longer than that? Um, it wasn't too bad. So I, I t whenever I come up with an idea, I like list out everything that I've got resource-wise. And I particularly love shooting on, a, on like the A7Ss, Sony A7S, which are known for being able to shoot super low light, um, you can get, you can get away with a lot. And because of my technical abilities, I can't, I know good ways of like doing noise removal. So it, it allows for, a, it allowed for a lot of flexibility with how we wanted to light it. Um, and so, you know, we had, as I said, we had one permanent light, which was, if it got in frame, it was the moon. So 
that didn't matter. And the rest of it was all choreographed lighting with the actors. So it actually made the set a pretty fast shoot because we didn't have to worry about, oh, let's move this light over here. Oh, no, let's move this light over here because everything was supposed to be in the frame. Um, if it, if it happened to be, it would have made sense. So yeah, I think everyone appreciated that. It made the night shoots go a lot faster. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was surprisingly straightforward. Now I want to back up. You said you're a physics thing. Does that help you shoot at all? Like, it sounds like it is. You're setting up lights to film moons. You're doing this and that. How does your physics play in? Or you just see it automatically where it's, everything's going to be. Yeah. It's, it's a tricky one that, cause I think, I guess, I mean, I don't want to get completely into it, but my, my, like the main sort of finisher on my degree and my sort of, sort of half master's thing, my PGCE was, um, was learning about how physics and science can actually make us better creative thinkers. Um, but essentially what physics has enabled me to do is become a really clear problem solver. So, you know, being able to think about all the options to uh, something called divergent thinking, where you just list out all the possibilities and then the process of convergent thinking, where you come to a solution from that variety of ideas. Um, and so I'm sure every single day it is, it is helping me every single creative decision I do, that process that I've trained my mind to do certainly makes things a lot easier. Um, but yeah, so in some ways, yes. And also getting things kind of like with visual effects, cause I did the visual effects on this as well. It's like getting that so that the lighting feels appropriate, the movements, the animations, you, you know, it has momentum, it has weight, it has inertia. It's got all these things that, that I think people who haven't studied it in depth might not uh know to do or think that it was, is actually important it's like when when we're doing the animations and things you know it's something standing up it's how is that weight going to be carried into its motion and even how it stands up straight you know how are you going to get it to catch its weight and the importance of doing that establishes the 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 uh, sort of mass of that object and how kind of like scary and intimidating it is or isn't um and so you know it helps with all those little things um yeah. Wow. Um, does physics relate any way to the writing process? It sounds like it does for you. Uh, in this one, yes, purely because of uh, the concept of uh, blood moons and how we get them, lunar eclipses and things like that. Um, but uh, I don't know, typically with my other things, I don't think so. I kind of like to, to let loose and, uh, <laughs> and play around. Yeah. So, um yeah, I like to escape into fantasy, so I try to step back where I can. So let's go into the fantasy element just a little bit. The gun props I do want to discuss for fantasy element. How much fun is it working with guns? The, <laughs> it's, man, uh, this was interesting. So so the guns that we used are actually made of wood in this Yes, one. I could see um, that. They look oh, familiar. really? Oh, good, good, good. Yeah, the whole thing's for wood. Um, but... Uh, yeah, the we have one actor, bless him. Uh, yeah, the guy who played Everett, John Black, the co-writer. He 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 won't he won't hate me for saying this, but he is a bit clumsy when it comes to props, and we always get many casualties. Um, yeah, so let's just sort of leave it at that. Really, you know, there's a lot of things that that kind of went wrong if it was like fell fell on or it kind of got lost when they didn't put it away properly. But aside from that, you know, it's making sure that the actors know how it feels because especially in the UK, like who's touched a gun here? Like no one. So it's kind of like, 
you know, what, what does that feel like? And I think a lot of people just assume, especially in the UK, it's just like, oh, it just does that, you know, pee, pee, pee. But it's like, no, it's like, sorry, for those of you listening, it's just, you know, cocking the wrist up. It's like, no, no, no. It is more of an impact along the arm because that's how the momentum goes. You know, you're firing something out that way. There's an equal and opposite force coming back at you. It's going to boom into your shoulder. And so it's getting the, the actors to replicate that motion um, rather than the typical pee, pee, you know, not, not very impactful. On a little side tangent, I used to go to a store, deliver stuff to a store that sold guns, which are not many in Canada, but they had one. So I picked up a Magnum because I was waiting for their stuff. And I said, what the? I think this thing weighs a ton. They said, wait till you get the recoil off it. And that's, I'm laughing at you because I had a full conversation about somebody said, yeah, it's not that. It's the recoil after you fire that you get that back. He said, that's the way you hold it in a different way. So you are totally right. Um, the only way you can tell them wouldn't really notice. I didn't notice in the beginning because I think I was really into the action. Like trying to learn the characters and stuff. And then you kind of give me a little, I don't want to give anything away, but the beginning's <laughs> awesome. Um, <laughs> but the ending, because you really focus in on the shooting at that point. And I find you mm-hmm. make it a little bit tighter. Your world was obviously bigger before. Now we're not. And in the beginning of the end, you've typed me in. You really bring me back in. It's okay. Not for this big, beautiful forest. You're sitting here. And that's where I could tell the guns were wooden. They did not look plastic or anything with me. So I was like, this could be real shots he's firing. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Yeah, no, my, my dad made them. He's, uh, he's very, very good. Oh, wow. Yeah, good yeah. for him. Full props. Yeah. He looked great. Yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's very, very good. He's awesome. Okay. Well, that's it for my questions. But I do have three fun questions, if that's okay. Of course. Okay. Because uh, your first time on my show, I ask everybody the same first question. Favorite film? Um, mm, my favorite film is actually a short film. Uh, it's called Apricot by Ben Bryand. Um, it's hard to explain, but it's absolutely worth a watch. It's been out for about over a, over a decade now, so it's on YouTube and things like that, but absolutely worth checking out. It's one of those films that you watch it once and you're like, I have no idea what just happened. <laughs> and then, but you're like, but I feel something incredible. You know, there, it, he, his his work is especially with this particular film. It is all subliminal and it's all metaphor and everything links. Because I, I think I watched it like three four times. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like it's it's all linked this beautiful way. And it's definitely something that I've taken into my work. I I don't like just going here's all the information. I like to go no here's a bit of that, a bit of that, a bit of that. You work it out. Have some fun with it though. That relates a lot to your film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, very, very heavy inspiration uh, from Ben Bryan's work. I can it's see that. Amazing, yeah. Well, because you brought up animation, your favorite animated film? Ooh, um, I definitely have, like, a series. I'm not sure about a film, because I'm definitely more, like, I the the style that I'm definitely kind of falling into at the moment is definitely through uh, the styles of, of the works of anime and things like that. So series-wise, because um, I can't really think of any animated films, uh, it'd be things like, you know, Naruto, I grew up with it. It's just like, it's something that has always been with me uh, throughout all the stages of my life. And, and the way they did the animation, especially in the sort of semi-early episodes, is just, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. So... Naruto is uh, kind of cliche, but, you know, I grew up with it. Hey, if you like it, that's all amazing. good with me. There's no issues. Mm. Um, one film besides the Apricot film that you should recommend that people don't watch enough? Don't watch enough. Mm. Ah, yes. There was a brilliant independent film uh, called 
can I give two actually? There was, of there was course two you can. Brilliant, brilliant independent films that are definitely worth checking out. There's one called Brutal Massacre, a comedy. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone's heard of it, but it is, it is one of the funniest films I've ever seen. It's about a load of filmmakers trying to make a horror film. And it's just brilliant. It was on like Prime a couple of years ago, but I think it's, I think you can like purchase it or something like that. I'm, anyway, so it's quite an old one, but it's fantastic. And another one which I really admire uh, is called Starfish or Starfish Mixtape in some countries. Again, I don't think many people have heard of it. It's, it's kind of more in line with uh, that kind of apricot style, that kind of subliminal uh, thing. And it's got lots of metaphors, but those two films, I think seriously unheard of, but wow, they are totally worth watching. Well, before I let you go, this is a great time to tell everybody where they can find all your great stuff. <laughs> sure thing. Yeah, you can find me at Seb Cox Films on pretty much every social platform. Uh, or you can check out my website at, uh, it's just called sebcox.com. Or you can check out my film, uh, arewemonsters.com for all the streaming links there. Thank you for your time and have a great day. Thank you very much. You too.